You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. I'm joined today by Scott Johnson. Uh, he hosts the What Was That Like podcast. And uh, Erica, of course, is joining us from her closet. Uh, Erica, you d- it looks like you did your hair today. What, what's going on? I mean, sometimes I look nice, Bob. I've never, I've never <laughs> seen you look nice Aww. ever in all the years I've known. <laughs> Guess I woke up on the right side of the bed this morning. <laughs> I'm kidding. I did not do my hair today. Uh, but Scott, your hair looks wonderful. <laughs> Well, you know, I've accepted the fact that someday it's going to go gray, and I'm okay with that at some point when it happens. Yeah, so. whenever that day <laughs> mm-hmm. may yep. come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just got to accept it, yeah. Yeah. I have uh, I have all kinds of stuff going on with my hair, because I, I went to get a haircut on Friday, and apparently all the barbershops were closed for the, <laughs> the holiday weekend, which is, I found to be very inconsiderate. <laughs> How dare they and not I'm, think of you mm-hmm. first, Bob? Right, yeah. right. So, Scott, uh, I'm super excited to get to know you a little bit. You were recommended to us by Brandon Hall from the Music City 911 podcast. He's a good friend of mine. Great guy. Yep. Brandon, actually, uh, I got to meet him in person when I was in Nashville this summer and hooked up with him. And he showed me around town, showed me how to get away from the – if you ever want to find the good places to hang out and eat in Nashville that aren't touristy, just look up Brandon. I'll give you his cell phone number. I'm sure he won't mind. Um, anybody, and he'll show you around. He'll take you to all the good places. And he, I'm sure with his job, he knows all the bad places too, so he can avoid <laughs> those. Oh, oh, yeah. It was definitely, although he did send my wife and I down. He, he sent me an address of somewhere to go meet him and a friend of his to go have dinner. And it was like, oh, yeah, you can walk there from where you're at on Broadway. And uh, we started walking that way, and... The walking path was closed. It was a it was a dimly lit and not lit at all path at some point in time. So I literally saw a couple um, um, making love out in the in the in the in the in the courtyard right there Lovely. out in the yeah out in the open. <laughs> and it was the the best timing ever because we got it was like right when it was like oh god they are uh, they're they're doing it oh they're doing gosh. it over there and right there there was like a fence. Uh, where we couldn't go any further, so we were just kind of just like, walk, like <laughs> turn walk around, back yeah. By them. <laughs> yeah, we just we just came over here to see you guys, and now that we've seen you, we're gonna head on back that way. I would so expect to see we... Ashton Kutcher jump out and say, "Hey, okay, you've been you've been punked." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have I would have been happy to see Ashton. I was expecting someone with a large knife or something to jump out yeah. <laughs> where we were. Apparently, there was a. Uh, there's some big race that goes on through the middle of downtown Nashville, and uh, they had all the streets and walking trails blocked off, which you'd think Brandon, being a dispatcher, would know. But uh, <laughs> nope, he sent us mm-hmm. 
sent us right into the the lion's den there. Um, but you you are from from Florida, and so how do, how do you know Brandon? First of all, we met through a mutual friend, David Hooper, who was also in Nashville, longtime radio podcast veteran, and he knew Brandon, and he knew that I talk about unusual stories that often involve nine one one audio. And uh, so he connected us, and we've been uh, kind of collaborating ever since. Nice. And, and you've, you've been doing this podcast since uh, – and the podcast is called What Was That Like? You've been doing it since 2018, so you're – you're you're one of the one of the veterans. You're a, you're a pre-pandemic podcast. Does that like to call them? Like, yeah. Well, actually, I started podcasting back in 2012. So this is technically my third podcast. So third but one. It's the, yeah, it's the one I'm super focused on though. So all the way back to 2012, you're, you had a podcast called Computer Tutor. Yes. Um, and you were, and that was that was early days. I mean. It was, you know, podcasts were around and getting popular around 2009, but they were still pretty unheard. And 2012 was still the early days of mm-hmm. podcasting. Uh, what, what was Computer Tutor all about? I bet I, I, I have an idea what it might have been about. <laughs> well, I, I've had a computer business since 1999, and mm-hmm. I started listening to podcasts in 2011. And after a while, I thought, you know, I really should probably have my own podcast, not to get sponsors or make money from it directly, but mm-hmm. just because I'm in that business and it just kind of establishes me as the authority in that space and so forth. So I started my own podcast and basically it was just a weekly podcast, um, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes of some kind of computer tip or trick or scam alert or something like that for, for non-techie people. So I kind of broke everything down so it's really easy to understand. And, um, and I did like 400, 500 episodes of that before I put it to Oh, bed. wow. Yeah, and you, you don't you don't do computer tutor anymore. I still have the business, but podcasting is um, kind of overtaking that at this point. Um, yeah, but yeah, I had to I had to put that aside just to free up some time because sure. of the current podcast. You only have so much so much bandwidth. Is there an episode right. in there that explains why on my iMac when I plug in the the hardwire Ethernet cable, why suddenly I have no internet <laughs> uh, and I have to use Wi Fi? I can guarantee there's no uh, episode that covered that because I only do Windows computers. <laughs> I, don't do, oh, I don't do anything with Macs. Boo. You know, the okay, funny well, thing is I hear from Mac people. My, my laptop. <laughs> Mac people say they. on a new one because. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. New new Windows PC, Windows yeah. 11. Does yeah. work pretty well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll last just six months. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from, my, from the snooty Mac guy uh, <laughs> <laughs> who's currently complaining about my yeah. Mac not working. Actually, yeah, I've got I nothing just, against Mac computers. I just think, you know, for the for the same, you put two side by side, a PC and a Mac, same specs, the Mac's going to cost three times as much. And yep. I can't, and yet they've got people lined up around the building to get the newest one. So good for them. They're good in marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's all, it's just all the inner interoperability between, you know, my, my phone and my watch and my AirPods and my computer and my laptop and like everything's... I can jump from one device to the other and everything follows me wherever, wherever mm-hmm. I go, uh, is the reason I like it. And they got me with all that marketing. Yeah. You know, they, they, they convinced me that cool people own Macs and, and losers own PCs. That's what, <laughs> that's what their marketing basically says. <laughs> well, that could be, who knows? So are you still running? You said you're still running the, is your business called computer tutor? That's the name of it. Yeah. And I, I deal mostly with residential clients and honestly, having done this for so long, I've got clients all over the country 
and I do most of my work remotely, so I can remote into their computer and fix most things. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I still do that, and and I do this podcast. It's it's it really is kind of like having two full time jobs. I'm sure. So, with the the computer business, do you, is that what you do? Is primarily uh, just repair issues that people have? Yeah, repairs, upgrades, uh, data recovery. You know, new PC setup, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it getting to be less and less? popular because I, I know like especially in i have i own one windows computer because the tax software i use to do my corporate taxes every year doesn't have a windows version so i have i have one windows <laughs> laptop that i bring out Once every march yeah and do my taxes on it and then i put it away um but it's it seems like like computers in general have gone to a place where it's like you buy it you get a year out of it and then you're just gonna re- it's cheaper just to replace them every couple mm-hmm. of couple of years so there's still a lot of repairs going on there definitely are repairs, um, which is one reason one of the big services I offer is a backup. You know, if you got anything mm-hmm. stored on there that you don't want to lose, you need to have it stored at least one other place, maybe two other places. Mm-hmm. So I set up a lot of backups, but uh, I don't know if they're becoming, I don't know if disposable is the right word. I mean, I, I can keep a computer going for quite a long time. Most likely mm-hmm. thing to fail is the hard drive and you replace that with a solid state drive where there's no moving parts. You know, they can they can still last a pretty good time. Nice. Well, it must be the one thing in the world that is not disposable anymore because everything we've lived in this house for three years. We've already replaced our washer and dryer twice. Uh, mm. they, they seem to last a couple of years and, uh, yeah, nothing in, 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 you can't find an appliance repair man anymore or a repair person. They, they just kind of, they're just like, buy a new one. Maybe yeah. it's you, maybe it's a you problem, Bob. That yeah, <laughs> maybe well, it's user error. <laughs> I that isn't the the washer and dryer is where I wash the tires from my truck, and yeah. I don't know why if that's causing a problem or what the deal is. But. I think we found the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so once a week, I just take them off, throw them in the washing <laughs> machine, <laughs> keep them spit shine. Oh, um, so you, said you did three podcasts. So you, did, you did Computer Tutor in 2012, and then, uh, of course, you're doing What Was That Like Now? Was there, there was another one in the middle there? Is there another one you're doing simultaneously? It's it, There was another one where I did um, 88 episodes, and that was my first interview show. So that's what kind of got me into the to learning how to interview someone for a podcast. I'm a part of the ultra-running community, and which means um, you know, an ultra-marathon is any foot race longer than a marathon, which is 26 miles. So mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated by the concept of human endurance and what the human body is capable of. And so I just love these stories of people who, not elite runners, but just middle of the pack, back of the pack, slow runners, and how they've been able to compete and 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 finish, not win, but finish, you know, a, a 50K, a 100K race, a 100 mile race, and so I would contact these people who had just finished their first ultra marathon and the show was called ultra finishers. Mm-hmm. And so I would talk to them like, you know, how did you train? What did you eat? What was the pain like? What was it like crossing the finish line after 30 hours, you know? And, um, so I did 88 episodes of that. And then again, same thing, the time commitment just became too much because right. that was a weekly show every Friday. And, um, so I had to put that one down too, but that was fun though. Yeah, uh, you should. You know, you really should have went to the gym with me this morning, and you could have seen uh, what an ultra. I mean, I put in uh, three miles. I, uh, I I walk a couple laps, jog a few until I feel like I'm going to die. Walk a couple more, <laughs> and then jog one, and then throw up, and then go back to walking. Uh, 
Uh, the the endurance was was incredible. It'd have been a great harrowing story on your podcast if you were still doing it. <laughs> you know, you joke, but you were ahead of everyone who was still in bed. That's true. That's true. Like That's Erica. True. Yep. <laughs> busy, I have busy. not worked out today, and I will yeah, not work out today. <laughs> but you know what? Curling I, her hair. I am ill. Okay, so <laughs> I'm taking a break. <laughs> Smart. That's what they say. Listen to your listen to your body. Are you exactly. are you much of a worker outer, Erica? I've never oh, asked yes. you that. Oh yes, actually. I mean, lately I have not had as much time to do it as I would like to, but typically I like to work out like an hour every day. <laughs> but it's killing me lately not being able to. <laughs> yeah. That's how I, I don't I, rip your head off, Bob, when I come out come onto these interviews <laughs> and I'm much more like calm and zen. It's you, it's because you I got like, my work. Beat up a punching day. bag yeah. for an hour <laughs> yes, before you exactly, came on. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. So uh, tell us a little bit about your, yourself, Scott. Are you, uh, you seem very busy, like you work all the time. Do you, have, do you have a family down there in Florida? Yeah, I live here with my wife. Uh, my two kids are grown. They still live locally, but um, our what we call our kids now are two little Yorkies that we have here in the house <laughs> and they're my daily distraction. So, but yeah, it's nice to be able to work from home. And like I said, most of my computer work is done remotely. And of course, mm-hmm. everything, all the podcast stuff is done right here. Every interview on the podcast I've done has been remotely through Squadcast. And I just know exactly how to set things up that way. And even if my next door neighbor was my guest, I would still want to do it online over the internet rather than right. in, in person because the, you know, I just know all the variables, how to set it up. Yeah. And I've got the, the pandemic kind of pushed us that direction too. We used to, mm-hmm. the studio I'm in now was, as a matter of fact, I just this week I, I rearranged everything in here cause it was set up the table with four stations for, for when I had guests in and to do interviews and stuff like that. And then we started doing everything through zoom. So I, I just did this whole retrofit of everything where I've got a, you know, a, additional monitor there and a different uh, a different webcam for when we do our truth and justice episodes with Zach so Zach and I can be on the same camera and nice. yeah cuz at the same way it's 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 so much easier to do things this way than have somebody like t- tonight we're doing truth and justice um Zach's going to be remote when we record our follow up from hope and it's like it's actually much easier that way when he's not here than it is when he mm-hmm, is here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep i found the same thing and the same with Erica i just don't like being in the same room with her <laughs> cuz she's mean <laughs> Bob, there's no mon- no amount of money you could pay me to drive four and a half hours every Tuesday to come do an interview with you. So <laughs> I, there's got to be some. I mean, no amount of money that I'm uh, willing to true. pay. I but bet, I'm yeah, sure there's probably exactly, some. Exactly. So how how did you get the idea to launch? Uh, what was that like? It's 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 you're on true crime binge right now, and we're talking about a true crime story. But the stories aren't all true crime. Right, they're, they're mostly just kind of interesting stories. Correct. Um, I would say interesting. The, the bar is a little higher than just interesting. It's got to be really unusual, which means I have to reject a lot of stories. But yeah, I found that as I was listening to podcasts, I I I realized that the the ones that I really enjoyed, or the particular episodes that I really enjoyed, were ones where 
someone's actually telling a story mm-hmm. and you can follow along and it's, and it's something that's interesting to listen to even better if it was a true story. And so as I looked around to find other shows like that, I couldn't really find a lot of them like that, at least not the way I would do it or the way mm-hmm. I wanted to hear it done. And so I already knew how to do a podcast. So I figured, okay, I'll just do it myself. And so I started looking for these stories. And, uh, and that's the reason I called it, what was that like? Is because that's kind of the question that I'm asking them. You know, you just been through this crazy thing, like a plane crash or a, a mass shooting, or you crashed a skydive or, you know, something like that. What was that like? And, and we go into obviously a lot more detail than that, but it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a long form show. Because I don't, you know, a lot of these people have been on the news already because of what happened and they get interviewed for 20 minutes. It gets cut down to three minutes for right. the, for the news. And you really don't hear everything, not even close to all the details. So I tell people, this is not like that at all. This is, I want to get into your head. What were you thinking as this thing was happening to you? What are the repercussions? How have you recovered from it? And all of that stuff. And I, I like to get into really deep conversations about these things. That's one of the great things about podcasting is you're not limited to those time restraints that you are like in like mainstream type media news. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, I've done a documentary. Uh, I've, I've participated in several documentaries and it always drives you crazy because, you, you know, you spend. As a matter of fact, there's one coming out in January for a case I did on Hulu um, on Ed Aids, Ed Aids's case, and I'm curious to see, they spent, the film crew spent three days at my house and office filming with me, and the entire episode is like 45 minutes, and I'm not the only person in the episode, so it's mm. like, how much of that 30 hours of tape that they did is going to actually make the final cut? Probably very little of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I would hate that, because... You know, I've had some episodes that are 45 minutes or maybe even a little less. I try to do at least 45 minutes and I've mm-hmm. some that, some that have gone an hour and a half right. and, you know, I don't want to take out any of the good stuff. You know, if there's stuff that's boring, yeah, I'll edit that out. But, you know, there's the saying, there's no such thing as too long, only too boring. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I would not want to cut stuff that's really good just because of a, an artificial time constraint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one thing that I've always liked. I haven't watched him recently and I know he's not particularly popular currently. Um, but I always liked about the Joe Rogan show back in the day was especially when he would, um, when he would have like politicians come on, like leading up to an election, you know, Bernie Sanders, for example, he had on and Tulsi Gabbard, some of these people that you see these little bitty clips of them and don't really get a good understanding of it. But if he had them on, it's like, Oh, you can settle in and he's going to talk to him for three hours and you're going to hear, mm-hmm. you know, Every, let them give them the time and space to fully expand on things. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I just really like about the the podcasting space is, you know, we're not limited by time. We're not limited by, you know, how many minutes you have between commercial breaks and, and, you know, the time slot you're allotted. You can just go for five hours if you want to. Yeah. yeah. You don't have and to I like would structure it with the ads in mind or with that time constraint in mind. Like you can just kind of let people tell their story the way they want to tell it. If that's, you know, in those in interview type podcasts. Yeah. And that's what I tell people. I say, you know, don't worry about saving time. I'm not worried about saving time and the details are what make it a good story. Exactly. And I also tell people there's no explicit language is fine. Mm -hmm. I don't bleep anything uh, because, you know, if you see a lot of the titles of my episodes, that's part of telling the story. 
right. for, for yeah. some of these people, for sure. Yeah. And and in the way you tell it, it's almost a, I almost feel like we won't be able to do it justice here. Um, Eric and I were talking before mm-hmm. we got in the air, and I was like, this story that we're going to talk about today, the podcast episode you did is fascinating because you're hearing this guy tell his story. You're mm-hmm. hearing the 911 call. You're hearing all of that. And I said, at first glance, when I like read through my notes, I'm like, well, there's on like on paper, this case doesn't sound very interesting at all to me. It was like, I, you know, there's there's a, a, a guy, somebody tried to break in and he killed the guy to stop him from coming in. And I was like, I kept waiting for the, and then he was charged with the murder and it was was like, but there was, you know, there was no twist or anything like that. But then it's, but when you go listen to the story being told by this person that lived through this, it takes on a whole new light Mm -hmm. and it, and it's, it's fascinating to hear somebody tell the story from their perspective as opposed to just kind of like reading about it like it was a news story. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And there's so many good, there's so many factors that went into this particular episode that made it a really, it's it's one of my favorite episodes. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, it is a big difference when you hear something being told firsthand from the person that actually experienced it. And that's what I do with every one of them. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll have commentary from other, you know, people that were adjacent to the story, maybe a detective or maybe the, a family member or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. But the primary guest is always the person that actually went through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you release weekly? What day of the week do you release? No, it's every other Friday, every two every weeks. Every other Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'll let you go. Let, let's move on to the case. The, your, your podcast episode was called Eric Killed an Intruder. Um, and I'll let you kind of tell the story as best you can from your perspective without Eric telling the story and then people can go listen to him tell it for himself later. Yeah, I would definitely recommend that because he tells it. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things. He's just a really good storyteller. You know, mm-hmm. the people that I talk to, most of them aren't public speakers. They don't get interviewed all the time. Uh, they just happen to have this one weird thing happen to them and now they're telling it. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, this this was a man named Eric and I discovered this because it was it happened local here in the Tampa Bay area. And I just, I just happened to come across a story online and, um, I read it and I thought, okay, that sounds like it could be interesting. And so I looked up, I tried to find Eric, the, uh, you know, the man in the story. And I found him, I think I found him on Facebook and asked him, would you, you know, would you like to tell, this is something I'm sure my listeners would be interested in. Is this a story that you'd like to, to tell? And, and he said, yes. And so, and then, and that's when I started working on getting the 911 audio because there were actually three 911 calls made as part of the story from three different people. And so I started working on that and then I got those three calls, which, you know, that's not always, it's not always possible to get that. Right. If it's happened too far in, uh, in the past, sometimes they don't storm very long or some places you just can't get it. They just won't give it to you. So I was able to get that. So what I really enjoyed, and I knew this was going to be a good episode going in, is number one, it's a great story. It's it's interesting to listen to firsthand. He also has told this story nowhere else. So it's not like one of these major true crime stories where you've got 10 podcasts covering the same thing. Maybe not at the mm-hmm. same time, but it's it's a story you've heard, obviously, a lot of times before. He had really good audio just from a podcasting standpoint. Uh, I think he said his wife did something with audio for her work or something. So he had a great mic and sound treated room and everything. So that was great because that's one of the things you got to consider is the guest going to have good audio. 
Um, I was also able to get the 911 audio. That's a good, that's a good thing. And the, just the fact that he told the story in such a way that, you know, he didn't get off on a bunch of tangents and he, you know, he told it in a linear fashion, but he also told it from his firsthand point of view. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, what happened is he and his wife were asleep one night and they were awakened by a loud banging on their sliding glass door that led out to their porch and no idea what it was. It was only the two of them home. So he went out just in his underwear. He went out to the living room, went out and flipped on the light and he's face to face with this angry, large man that's just on the other side of the sliding glass doors on their patio. And this man is banging on the glass as if he's trying to to knock it in or somehow to try to get in. And of course, Eric has no idea who is this guy? Why is he trying to get in our house? Mm-hmm. And his wife is, is awakened obviously. And so she gets on the phone, but what we don't realize is that this man has already been to two other houses. So as part of telling the story, Eric says, so he went to the first house and he was banging on their door. That person called 911 and I got the audio. We played the audio for that. Then we played the audio as the second, as he got to the second house. And now he's at Eric's house and he's trying to get in. And Eric's saying, you know, just calm down, try it. But this guy is just in a rage. He wasn't listening. He was, uh, Eric assumed he was high or, you know, something that was, that was mentally going on with him. Mm-hmm. And he had a baseball so, bat too, didn't he? I don't recall that. Uh, maybe. I was maybe a he did. Con- yeah, I was confused by that because it was like something at the very beginning, or maybe it might have even been a news article that I found that said it. It was either at the beginning, at the very beginning of the episode or a separate news source, but that was the only thing that I heard talk about it. And then hmm. he even says, in the, or I think she says in the 911 call that he does not have a weapon, but I just thought maybe she didn't see it because she was in the back bedroom, but... <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah, so that may or may not be true. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's funny. In my in my recalling of the story, I don't remember the guy having because I mean I think he would have used the bat right, to was, yeah, bash exactly. in the door, you know, the sliding mm-hmm. door. Yeah. But he was just using his hands, and and Eric thought that door is just going to give way because the way it was vibrating and shattering, you know, uh, potentially shattering. So um, so finally the guy left. He went out. He didn't open the. It was just a screened-in porch. He didn't open the door and walk out. I think he went out through the screen. He just jumped and pushed his way and broke the screen out. And so Eric thought, okay, finally, um, you know, he's gone. I don't know what that was all about, but he's gone. But then his wife says he's at the bedroom window. He's trying to get in the bedroom window because apparently he'd given up on the sliding glass doors. So um, Eric has, he's not a person that owns a gun. He didn't have a gun at home. The only thing that he had as a weapon was a large, a a 10 inch butcher knife. And I mean, I think he said in the episode, he said, I'm picking up this knife, but what am I going to do with it? I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill somebody. I'm not, that's not who I am. I, I just don't do that. Mm -hmm. But as he went to the bedroom, this guy was banging on the bedroom uh, window and he broke the bedroom window and was coming through the bedroom window. And that's when Eric, he just described it very, very much in detail. He took that knife and just shoved it right into the guy's chest. And 
I think I think the man said something like, "Ow, you you stabbed me," or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And he got back out of the window and ran off. And by that time, police were on their way. Either they were on their way or they were already there. And um, they 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 found him. It was just a, a few doors down, a few driveways down. And he had died, you know, he died from that, uh, that chest wound. So, but I mean, I just can't imagine the, obviously he's not at fault. Eric's not at fault in this. He had to defend himself, Mm -hmm. but still the fact that you've killed someone just having to live with that. Um, and that's, I think that's why not long after this episode, I got contacted by another podcaster or somebody who said, Hey, I'd like to, I'd like to have Eric come on my show and tell the story. And I said, okay, I'll check with them. And Eric said, no, I'm not, I, I really don't want to tell that story again. Mm-hmm. Cause you mm-hmm. know, when you tell the story from a, such a personal standpoint, you're, you're really reliving it. And that's a tough thing for, for something that traumatic. It's a tough thing to, to go through again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think for any true crime audience, it's a, it's a good way to hear the reality of what it takes to kill a person. Um, And and I don't mean that in a, in a morbid way, but I, you know, we look at stats and statistics and we're breaking down cases and doing things like that. And you just look at it as like a thing someone did. Mm -hmm. It's, It's hard to articulate into words, but to hear someone go through like what, what emotions he was feeling. And because at some point while he was holding that knife, he had to make the decision, okay, now I'm, and I think he described it as being, he's very hesitantly stabbed the guy. Cause he's just like, like I got this because I'm going to defend myself. And then it came time to do it. And it was like, you know, you had to go through this whole process of emotions and decision-making before he finally mm-hmm. did the act and, and defended himself in that way. Um, and I think, I think it's worth, it's worth hearing. Cause then, you know, in these cases, like I'm doing on truth and justice where we're, you know, we're, we're looking at these murder cases to, you know, we, we've heard, uh, I have Jim Clemente come on quite a bit, um, for cases who was an FBI profiler who talks about like behavioral analysis of, of criminals. Uh, and he always, he talks about like, it's not as simple as a thing as you think it is. Um, mm-hmm. but to hear it come firsthand, I think is, is valuable. It, it adds a lot to it. Yeah. To get that perspective for sure. I was just gonna say, yeah, I think a lot of people always like, you know, they talk a big game like, oh, yeah, if somebody came in my house, I'll defend myself or I'll do this or I'll do that. But you never really know what you're going to do when it actually happens. And the way that like in the episode, you can hear Eric kind of going through his thought process through every step of the way. And, mm-hmm. you know, me listening to the story, even though even though the title, you know, you kind of know what happens in the end of it. I still was like. Every there were like it felt like there were so many twists and turns. Like Bob was saying, you know, on paper, not so much. Pretty str- open and shut, you know, straightforward. But when you break it down to everything that he was thinking and everything that he was doing during this five minute long, you know, interaction, it's it becomes so. It's I don't know. I just found it very interesting to hear that side of things and you know mm-hmm. how yeah. that and- must have been. You're, you're, and you're right. It's all, it's so easy to think of the hypothetical, like, yeah, I got a gun by the side of my bed. If somebody breaks right. in, oh, I just hope somebody breaks in because I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to defend myself and I'm going to be the hero in this story. But it very rarely works out that way. Right. And even Eric indicated that, you know, 
when something like that happens, you've got so much adrenaline. You don't really, even though you might be consciously standing there thinking about what happened, you're still not really thinking straight or logically necessarily because he took the knife and went to the kitchen and washed it off. He ran it under the water. And then he's think as he's doing it, he's thinking, what am I doing? This is evidence. This is a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning off the knife, the blood. And it was because he didn't want his wife to see it because she didn't observe the killing. I don't think the stabbing. And so he was trying to kind of protect her from, um, from seeing that. But, but yeah, he wasn't really thinking in terms of logic. He was just, I don't know. He was just acting on impulse, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think some of that that kind of emotional struggle that people have to be to be even even to defend themselves to make the decision is why we see, and I don't know what they are off the top of my head, but I've read them in the past. The statistics of people that are killed or hurt with their own gun or weapon, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, that like carry a gun for self defense. There's a there, there's there's statistics out there that how you know how likely they are to be shot with their own weapon mm-hmm. or stabbed with their own knife because it's. You know, that, that person that talks that big game often will find out when they pull that gun out and point it at someone, what has to happen in your brain to, to convince you to pull the trigger when a, you know, most rational human beings, even if, even with the adrenaline pumping have running through their mind, like once I squeeze this trigger, I can't take that back. Like once it's done, like, and they, they'll, they're so hesitant to do it. It was just, Mm -hmm. I found it really interesting to hear Eric talk through those, those emotions and those, those thoughts mm-hmm. yeah. that he went yeah. through. And I can totally see why he doesn't want to tell that story again. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. And he wasn't even trained in doing this. If you think about people being um, killed or injured with their own weapon, that happens to police officers mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're fully trained. Right. And mm-hmm. so who is the, you know, some average residential homeowner is going to uh, pull this off. It's uh it is against the odds. Mm-hmm. And the story does have a, a bit of a twist to it because uh, it, it, I think it just makes it even more of a sad story is the fact that we find that um, the man, Chase was his name, right? Yes. Um, the man that was that was breaking into the house that was killed. And again, justifiably so, but we find out he had, he had walked away from or escaped from or whatever, a group home that was around. Mm-hmm. He, he, was, he, was, he was mentally disabled. He was, yeah. He had a mental illness issue and yeah, there was a group home right there in that neighborhood and he had somehow gotten out. He had a fight with somebody or something there and, Mm -hmm. and he had left and he had left in a rage. And so his, his, uh, his actions were, didn't make any sense. But again, this is someone that with a mental illness and unfortunately that's what, that's what killed him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now, do you have, um, do you do episode, I'm trying to remember, do you do episode numbers in your podcast or just, just titles? Um, I have, they're, they're titles, they're listed, every episode is titled the same way with the name of the person and then what happened and then right after that is the episode number in most okay. cases. So I don't remember what, I can look up what episode number Eric's show was, but. Um, yeah, I just have Eric killed an intruder. Was it, how long, do you remember about how long ago it was that you did that episode? It was one of the early ones. Okay. Here, let me look it up here. I can check. Yeah, because I'd love people, you know, there, there's, t- there's tons of great episodes about all kinds of different things, but this is, this is one that I think people should really take the, take the time and go give it a listen. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely worth your time to do so. This is episode 45 
and it came out in um, March of 2020. Episode 45. Okay. All right. So his name uh, is Scott Johnson, and the podcast is called What Was That Like? The case we're talking about today is uh, episode number 45, Eric Killed an Intruder. Check it out. I'm sure you'll find it very interesting, and check out the rest of the catalog. Could be your next big true crime binge. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Awesome. Thanks, you guys, for having me. And I'll be sure to hit you up the next time I have a computer problem with my <laughs> one my one PC. With your annual PC <laughs> adventure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Kelly Barron's Brink. Our production manager and co-host is Erica Cantor. Music and show artwork was created by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com and episode artwork is created by John Hayes. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is truecrimebinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. Make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. And thank you so much for listening. And make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge.